welcome to the Clemson Drone Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Burgett from Clemson University. Join me as I dive into the world of drone technology and explore its impact to the eyes of industry leaders. Hear how drone technology directly supports public agencies, private companies, and entrepreneurs from those leading the innovation. If you're a seasoned UAS program manager or just getting into the game, this is a place to learn from the best to help your program soar to new heights. Make sure you subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a single episode of the Clemson Drone Podcast. At Clemson Drone, the sky is not the limit, it's just the beginning. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Berger with Clemson University, and I'll be your host uh, for another episode of the Clemson Drone Podcast. As always, thanks so much for tuning in. As you know, the goal of this pod is to have conversations with leaders in the UAS community and hear how they are using drone technology to support their various institutions, private company, agencies, and all things like that. I'm very pleased to have Mark Yonke with ETV with us. Uh, For those of you guys that are listening out of South Carolina, ETV is a public organization that broadcasts NPR, PBS, and a whole lot of other public media outlets. Mark is the chief technology officer and leads their UAS program. He is also on the board of directors for the South Carolina Interagency Drone Users Consortium, or Skyduck. This is an organization that's very near and dear to my heart. So with that kind of as a backdrop, uh, Mark, great to have you on the show. Thank you. All right, great. Well, so, you know, I gave a little bit of a background, but uh, why don't you start off by just telling everyone a little bit about what ETV is, what do you do, and, and things along that line. What is ETV? Well, you said in the beginning, but we're a, we're a state agency, a public entity that uh, broadcasts PBS, NPR. That's our main formats. We are what you call a joint licensee, so radio and television. But a lot of things that people don't know is that we also are heavily involved in emergency communications around South Carolina. Cool. So we, uh, we provide a lot of the infrastructure and backbone that's needed for that, whether it be wireless uh, connectivity, whether it be a tower or building that they are in or are uh, located on. But we do a lot of that in for those things. But we also provide a lot of local content. We shoot a lot of programs for South Carolina, tell South Carolina stories, the history of South Carolina, what people are doing now, what happened in the past, the exciting things, the sad things. That's why we all love South Carolina. That's why we're here. Right. That's awesome. And I, I've seen some of those. Those are, those are, those are outstanding too. So, and I, as I mentioned at the top of the show too, I mean, your title is chief technology officer, but what all does that include? And we're going to talk about drones here in a little bit, but uh, other outside of that, what does your day-to-day look like? Uh, it's never the same. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing. I don't get bored. That's for sure. But, you, you know, I'm, I'm leading the organization on the technology side. So I have IT that reports to me. I have engineering that reports to me. And I also have facilities that reports to me. We have over 50 buildings around the state that we manage and operate. We have over 500 towers that we manage and operate that we own. And um, we also manage for the state of South Carolina, there are 5,000 assets that are around the state, especially when it comes to like cellular or two-way radio communications. We're involved in all of that. We put all the contracts in place. You know, the broadcast infrastructure that all reports to me as well. So we're upgrading, changing, learning new things always about all of that. It's, it's a fun and exciting position. It's one that I do love and it's one that I, I, I'm very glad to be here. But it's, it's like I said earlier, the day is never the same. There's always something. And when you've got right, right. IT and engineering facilities that reports to you, 
something is wrong someplace. <laughs> so I've got right. to be in the mindset of it's not bad. It's an opportunity. Right. So what is it that we can do? How can we help? How can we assist? How can we make things better? So as long right. as the, you know, my team loves to do that, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. You know, and, and, the, and the folks that are listening to this too, they're into drones. So they know that, you know, it, it, there's a way it's supposed to work and the way it's worked 99 times before, but it's that hundredth time when you're out in the field because it's a little too sunny or whatever. And, you know, what's the expression? You know, technology is great as, as long as it works. Right. That's right. And, <laughs> and when it doesn't work, you know, you lead the team that people call to figure out why it doesn't work and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So good on you for, uh, for that. Oh, um, and you, and I think you said you had 500 towers. Is that right? Over 500. Yeah. Wow. And I think, and, and I've had an opportunity to visit one with you and there's more to it than, than people think, at least that I thought at the base of this tower. I mean, you've got server stands and you have, you know, relatively large cooling equipment there to, to cool it off, yep. you know, so that's, you know, <laughs> IT and chillers probably aren't what you have envisioned <laughs> your career going to. And then also, I mean, I never really thought about it, but a, a tower is real estate, you know, and you, some of that stuff you guys use and some of it you lease out. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. We license it out to cell phone companies. We license it out to other state agencies uh, for their two-way radios, uh, SLED, you know, FBI, different things like that. We have our own stuff on there, microwave, broadcast antennas for TV and FM. But yeah, it's, you know, you think that the land is valuable, but once you're in the air, that's just as valuable or even more valuable than the property it's on itself. Gotcha. And, and you know, I don't want to go down too long of a rabbit trail but with these towers. Do you need to maintain a line of sight from tower to tower? So one tower is communicating with the next and the next. Is that how those work? For, for certain aspects. For microwave communications, yes. Microwave has to have a clear point-to-point -point, uh, ability to, to communicate with each other. Two-way radio, not so much, but if you're in a heavy foliage area, your radio may not work as well. Gotcha. So there's, that's why you want to be as high as you can be on a tower so you can get your radio signals out abundantly. So there's a lot that goes into it. And yes, it is a rabbit trail and it's a huge hole that you can get into. And it's hard to get back out when you start talking about it. But yeah, there's a lot that's involved. Well, I'll, I'll, I have one more question. I can't even uh, stop myself. But is it like <laughs> a, a high rise where the real estate is more or the, the, the lease rates are higher, the higher you go up the tower? Like That's correct. the top of the tower is, is, is worth more. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it is. there are some parallels. You want to be as high as possible. Okay. So there is parallels with like commercial real estate. So, so that's interesting. All right. So let's switch gears. Let's start talking about drones a little bit. So why don't you talk a little about how ETB is used in drones and maybe you can frame that answer in a way where you can kind of talk through like what's the traditional method and then how are drones doing it better, faster, safer, cheaper, sure. all that kind of good stuff. Well, I'll start by saying why we got into drones, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, you know, I said they have engineering that reports me. Well, part of our my engineering crew are actual tower clients. Mm -hmm. And so they will physically climb a tower, they will do repairs, they will do inspections, they will replace antennas, they will do all kinds of things. Well, the inspections was one that's very time consuming. It can take hours to a whole day to be able to inspect a tower. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not efficient when you start talking about the volume of towers that we have. Right. And we have one tower crew of four people. Right. And for safety purposes, you typically have one to two people that's doing an inspection so that you can make sure that everybody's safe. So at the most, I might be able to split my team in two and get two towers done a day or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you got to remember, these towers are not right next to each other. They're 
30, 60, 100 miles away from each other, that takes a long time to drive to. So the efficiency was not there when we were saying, okay, can you go and inspect this tower? We need to look at, you need to map it, you need to draw it out, you need to tell me what's there. So take pictures with your cell phone. Don't drop it though. <laughs> right, know? right. So I started trying to figure out, hey, what what is out there in the industry that's doing this? And, you know, I, I won't say that we were early or late to the game, but we were probably right in line with other people who were trying to figure this out as well in the industry. Right. And, you know, looked at drones and you know, brought it to my team and said, Hey, you know, I've got this idea. Would you guys be interested in becoming pilots with me so that we can all learn together and figure out how we can use drones to make our time more efficient, right? Get pictures, get, you know, map these things. You know, one of my dreams was always like, Hey, I would love to have a 2d and a 3d map of the tower so we can know exactly at what height right. everything is located, what's connected to it. And then one of my goals over time is to also take those 2D and 3D maps and see what changes over time. Right. So did the wind, you know, move a microwave dish? You know, is a two-way antenna being leaning more, you know, over time due to wind or ice or something? You know, so you can start to see progressions that, you know, with, with a human eye, you don't see that. But if you start mapping things, you start taking all these pictures and using drones to your ability to do this, you know, there's things that we can really start doing more efficiently. Yeah. So let me, I'm going to ask a couple of a follow up on that too. So with a traditional inspection, you know, and, and I've seen some of these towers, they're huge, a thousand feet in the Tower, air. Yeah. You're climbing up it. When you're doing an inspection, you mentioned the camera. So if you see something that's not right or whatever, you take a picture of it. Are, are the crews doing maintenance as they're going up these towers as well? Or is this kind of more of an observation and report back? So first one would be observation report back. You know, if they find something that's really bad, they're immediately getting off. They're not even going any further. They're going to, you know, safety comes first. It's always the first sure. priority for us. But yeah, so they've got it. So in, in the traditional method, they would have to climb and, you know, you're a human, so you get tired. And as you right. go up in elevation, temperature changes, wind changes, everything else. So your, your forces are working against you as you're climbing as well. So they've got to take a notepad. They've got to take pens and pencils. They've got to take cameras so they can take pictures. And the notepads are for that. They can remember, oh, I'm at this height or which section I'm at, you know, at this cross section so that this picture <laughs> relates to that. Right. You know, we all think like, oh, we're going to remember that after a thousand pictures. You don't remember any of it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All day long being on this tower. Long, right. And so, you know, and then climbing a thousand feet, you think like, oh, it's only a thousand feet. I can walk a thousand feet. Well, climbing a thousand feet is much different and you got to sure. take breaks. So, you know, you may be climbing for 30 minutes and you've only gotten to 150 to 200 feet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You've got all your gear on you. You've got to check your your locks to make sure that you're in place for safety and you've got to move them and then go up again, then move them again. So there's a lot that's involved with a manual inspection on a tower. Right now, uh, do the big ones, do they have any kind of like lift? Like, I don't want to say elevator, but some kind of man lift that assists that. So some do and some don't. Our towers, okay. unfortunately do not. Okay. Even ones that ETV owns. Um, but there are other towers um, that do have elevators, that is something you can you can get when you buy and build a tower. Gotcha. Now, I'm thinking, you know, again, I, I come from a construction background and there's been, you know, one of the things that was just a, a regular issue to deal with is, is 
you, you know, you go, you do your work and, oh, I forgot my tools back in the truck. I need to go back and get them. And that's annoying when you just have to go out to the building into the parking right. lot. Right. It's, annoying is not the right word to describe it when you're, you know, 500 feet up in the air and you're right. like, oh, that thing I didn't, I need yep. isn't in my tool belt or whatever, or yep. I dropped it or whatever, you, you know, whatever it happens to be. A lot of prep work goes into it before you even get on that tower. So some of the things that I have found with, with drones, um, again, because super cool technology and you see videos where everything's in a lab condition and things work perfectly, especially with some of these models where, you know, you fly around, you take a bunch of pictures and you look out on the computers like, oh my God, you can't tell the difference between reality and this model. But that I have found anyway, is that's not always real. You know, when yep. you collect data and you, you get a model and yeah, you can tell it's a house and you can tell it's a car, but there's a lot of warping and waxing and things like that. You had mentioned earlier that you were, your hope was to be able to take a tower and be able to say, oh, this, this dish has moved X number of feet or inches or whatever. Did yep. that come, was that real? Was that realized? Or is that one of those things that you had hoped and didn't happen? We're getting there. <laughs> We're okay. not there yet. Uh, we have learned a lot um, in the years that we've been doing this. Focal distance is key. Making sure that your drone is consistently flying the same pattern at the same points. That, for the drones that we currently own, has been almost impossible for us. We, you know, making sure the GPS data is correct, making sure that the flight path is the exact same has been really difficult for us. So we're currently looking at uh, newer technologies that have a lot of AI involved in it, right? So that we can we can save a pattern for each site and say, when we're here, you are flying this exact pattern each time. So right. manually, when we've been doing it, we have had poor results trying to create those three dimensional diagrams. But with two D, we have been able to do that. We have been able to say, okay, you know, from zero to a thousand feet. Just in the 2D spectrum, we can create that relatively well with the current drones that we have. But when you get into the 3D models and shaping like you're talking about, it has been impossible for us. Because we've learned that even with the drone, when you're trying to create a 3D model and you're doing it manually, we're not even taking enough pictures. We're thinking, man, we're taking thousands of pictures, right. but that's still not even enough because the drone is being moved by the wind. Right. And with the AI drones that we're looking at now, it's taking, you know, 10 times the amount of pictures that we were taking before manually. Right. And so able to put all that together and and create that 3D model for us. Yeah. No, I'm kind of excited about, you know, what you're talking about there. I mean, traditionally, you know, when you're doing a mapping mission of like a traditional, you know, site, a construction site or a survey or whatever, the, the drone that you pick traditionally have been flying based off of GPS and just creating right. waypoint assisted missions. But these uh, these AI, AI augmented systems, they're, they're flying differently. They're, I guess they have a GPS, but they're creating real time point clouds as they're flying. Yeah. So they're, they're navigating like you and I walk around. We don't have GPSs. Yep. Yep. But you look around a room. And you close your eyes and you have a mental map of the room and you could probably get out of that room without knocking things over. Right. Well, that's how these drones are flying <laughs> yep. is they're creating real time maps. You know, so it's cool. I think I mean, my, my crystal ball is cracked six ways from Sunday, but I kind of <laughs> do view that as, you know, that is the future of where drone mapping is going. I agree. You know, maybe GPS to put it on the planet, but then yep. that real time point cloud, you know, relatively. 
So you had mentioned when, and that was, you know, one of the first things that, that I'm thinking through has been when you're planning out a mission. Do you know off the top of your head what the tallest tower that you have uh, in South Carolina? 1,100 feet. 1,100 feet. Okay. So at 1,100 feet, you can technically, I, mean, I don't know whatever space it is, but technically fly 400 feet above it. So you're at 1,500 yep. feet or so. Yep. <laughs> That's, I mean... As someone who cares about the reputation of the organization that I'm with and risk adverse and all this kind of stuff, what's what are the issues that you fall into with 1500, you know, flying at 1500 oh. feet or potentially up there? Yeah. When we first started, we were all very nervous. Right. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. And that's healthy. I mean, you go into it with a little bit of fear is a good thing. You know, yeah. evolution has put this in there for a reason. You know? Yes. It's, you know, we didn't know what to expect either. You know, you're up so far. To be able to get images of a tower, there's things that your perspective is shot at that point. Mm -hmm. You're you're not you're not where you think you really are. Right. And I remember um, giving a demo with Skyduck, and everybody came out to one of our towers, and I kept asking people, "Where do you think that we are? You know, how high do you think I am, and how far away from the tower do you think I am, and stuff?" Right. And, you know, they were they were guessing. You know, this is uh, the one that we went to was a thousand foot tower and people were guessing, Oh yeah, you're only like 200 feet right now. And, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I'm like, Nope. <laughs> <Not even close. laughs> right. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Your, your perspective gets thrown off. So some of the things that we've implemented for safety, as well as just following, you know, typical FAA guidelines is you never fly alone. Okay. You've always got at least one visual observer, if not more, depending upon the height of the tower, where you're at. And of course, you know, where most of these towers are, we're in space that we can fly this at. So we don't have to worry about that too much. Right. But, you know, you got to learn about your perspectives. You got to make sure that you understand where the sun is, where are the clouds, how can you see it? So we always also fly with the lights on. Yep. So no matter what, we've got flights, uh, lights so that we can see where the drone is because it's easy to lose it. Because most of these drones, if it's a cloudy day and it's a grayish drone, yeah. it's gone. If it's a blue drone in the sky, it's gone. You cannot see anything. Even a black drone, right? when you're flying it at those heights, right. it's not really black anymore. <laughs> it's right. basically molded into the other colors that are around the sky. So you have to make sure that you've got something that your eyes can pick and make sure that you always see that. You know, And then we're always watching out for the airspace, making sure that you know, there isn't helicopters around, making sure there isn't other drones, um, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot that's going on into how we're flying around the towers, let alone just making sure we don't hit a tower or a guy wire. Right. And a guy wire is, for, for people who don't know, when you've got these really tall towers, you have wires that keep the tower from falling that are pinned, anchored into the ground. Right. Um, and those are, you know, an inch or less in diameter. Right. And... Again, you, some people are like, oh, inch or less, that's no big deal. You can see that. You can't see those. <laughs> no, and, ne and neither did the sensors on the drone either. I mean, right. the obstacle avoidance sensors work great against the building, but not a guide wire. Yeah, and they also don't work great for a tower sometimes. Mm. Because the lattice work in the tower, especially on these larger towers, is not spaced enough for those sensors to pick it up. Right. Like it doesn't know that, oh, there's something actually in front of me right there because it's so far away from each other that it's not detecting enough wall, let's say, you know, to know that it has to observe, uh, uh, miss that. So the AI, you know, drones that we're looking at, again, yeah. it's not just using the cameras in that way. It's actually creating that model. And every time it picks yeah. it up, it creates it for it. So it's, it's, I'm looking forward to that so that we're not as 
you know, we're going to always have safety. We're always going to have more than one person flying these things, but not, not all of us can have to pay attention to the things that we did now. Now we can start focusing on like, Hey, we want to get the back shots of these, of these antennas. And we want to get this undershot of the antennas and we can fly inside of the towers now, which is really right. Right. That we could not do before. Right. Right. Yeah. Those AI, those point cloud uh, creation drones, like I said, my crystal ball cracked on a lot of things. I feel pretty confident that those are, that is the future going forward. Now you had said earlier in the call that, you know, ETV, you know, not the earliest adopter, not the latest adopter, but, um, and I don't know how it works across the country uh, in other states and how NPR and PBS and all that stuff are, are, are published. But I'm assuming that, that there are, you have sister agencies in other states that, that do a similar function. Are you finding that they are adopting drones? It's, it's becoming commonplace. Maybe not everyone is using them, but it, it's, it will be standard operating procedure, if not now, moving forward. Well, our... Our cousins in the in the public domain are still not using drones the way that I'm using them. So I'm I'm okay. an early adopter when you talk about the public domain. <laughs> okay, gotcha. When you talk about the commercial guys, like the cell phone guys, the American Towers, you know, the the ones that are making you know multi million billion dollars on this industry, they were probably the early adopters. That's who I would consider the early adopters. They were doing this, you know, they made mistakes. I learned from some of their mistakes. Um, had phone calls with people trying to figure out, hey, what'd you do? How'd you do this? And uh, started creating our own drone program here at ETV. And it's pretty exciting. I like to try to be able to talk about what we're doing, what we're achieving here at ETV to my my cousins, my sister's brothers in the industry. And hopefully they can use our program as a model so they can do their own stuff. Now, most of them don't have as many towers as we do. So, you know, some of them are like, well, I may or may not need that. But it's still something that's very beneficial for them. Now, what what we have been doing at ETV, as well as the other, they use their drones to create content. I see. And, you know, they'll go out, they'll take a drone, they'll shoot footage with the camera, you know, they'll create beauty shots, things like that with the drone. So that's, that's something that people have been doing, you know, basically since drones came out. So that's nothing right. new, but what we've done with the drone is relatively new. Well, in that vein, okay, so if, if your cousins and other agencies are, you know, similar to ETV and other states, let's talk a little about, and maybe we can kind of actually close here on this kind of this last little bit of the conversation, is some advice that you give. So let's just say you have a state, you know, I won't name one, but just some random state that has a number of towers that justifies a program. You know, I'll, I'll throw out a number, 250. I don't even know if that, you know, just half of what you said. <laughs> right. 250, they, they've, they've heard this podcast and they're excited because they, you know, Mark's done good things and they've heard about it and they've seen it in the private sector, but they've got nothing except for maybe a little bit of buy-in by upper management that, that says, yeah, you've sold us a little bit, you know. So what advice would you give a cousin agency about how to start? You know, what are the do's and don'ts about how to start a program? Well, anytime you start anything, everybody's always like, what's the money? How much is it going to cost? Why? Why do we need this? You know, you got to make sure that you have a really good plan detailed out. I feel like that we did. It does help that I'm in executive management to begin with. And I had this vision and I knew that it was something that we needed to do. So it made it I would say easier for us to do that. But, you know, if it's somebody who's in middle management that has this idea and wants to bring it up, I would say just detail the plan. You know, what's the cost? Maybe you can't, maybe you can't buy five drones. Maybe you can buy one drone. You know, that's relatively inexpensive. 
the the prep that it takes to get your pilot's license and everything, you know, that's something that you need to be able to have time to dedicate and then show them what the benefits will be. You know, if you're talking about just the engineering side of things, it's safety, it's efficiency. You can create the models and show things over time. Those are things that most of us don't have. So, you know, you can bring a lot of things to the table and it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. Right. You can start with what makes sense for you. And I think right. that that's, that's the important thing that a lot of people just forget about whatever they're doing, not just a drone program, but anything. It's, you know, you can go, there's 101 ways to do everything, but you can have the largest, you can have the smallest, you can have the middle, but you got to pick one and you got to kind of mold it into the way that you need it. Right. And I think that makes a lot of sense to, to you know, detail that plan out, starting small, like you said, uh, potentially. Uh, so that you can demonstrate those benefits and then sell that to, to management if you are not management and, uh, you know, to be able to acquire more of those resources that, I mean, the end, at the end of the day, a drone is a tool, right? It's, it's not right. a, it's not an end in and of itself. It is just a tool. And if you are able to justify the, the expense of the drone, either in cost savings in terms of man hours or labor savings or safety or risk management, there's lots of different ways to justify technology, drones or otherwise, that aren't entirely monetary, although we can't ignore it entirely. Right. But, uh, you know, you know, hard hats aren't saving any money, but, you know, we're not going to cut the, you know, save the budget by cutting those out, right? So Absolutely. there are some other things that, that can be done. So, Mark, this has been an outstanding conversation. I learned a lot, as always, when I talked to you. Uh, you know, you had mentioned that Skyduck trip when you brought a bunch of folks out to that thousand-foot tower. That was awesome. That was the highest I ever flown um, and likely will be the highest I ever fly. I mean, who knows? But um, but that was uh, that was a little fear instilling, you know, fly, flying that. But I uh, knew I was uh, under your capable hands when we were out there. So I wasn't too nervous about it. But thanks. For, uh, thanks so much for being on the on the call for everyone else. I do want to just uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, if you have made it this far, I would encourage you. It sounds like you if you've made it this far, you've enjoyed the conversation as, as I have. I would encourage you to hit that like button and the uh, and the subscribe button, especially in these early episodes. It really helps us out with the algorithms to be able to move this up to the top of the chart. So appreciate you doing that. Mark, again, thanks so much for uh, for being on the call. Look forward to having you on another one. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Clemson Drone Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Learn more about our online training offerings by going to clemsondrone.com. Thanks again. And remember, at Clemson Drone, the sky is not the limit. It's just the beginning.